This book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Praise the Lord. All right. Because we are convinced the living water changes everything one life at a time. Praise God. All right, we are going to be looking at God's plan for your home and in the area specifically of sex. This is an area that honestly the world has stolen and Satan has maligned. And by the way, if you are joining this live stream, uh, uh, <laughs> yes, we are talking about the topic of sex today. And so, uh, don't be shocked, but really, this has a lot to do with your witness at home. Because I've had some people, well, how are you going to connect that? It has a lot to do with your witness at home. If you're out of kilter in any of these areas that we have been talking about, your witness for Jesus Christ suffers. And by the way, there is instruction not only for us who are married... There is also instruction for us who are not married. And we'll be talking about that today. Because I'm going to share some t statistics that will maybe be a, a bit surprising to a lot of us. Okay, So we're going to be talking about the uh, area of sex. And the portion of scripture we're going to look at is in Proverbs. There's going to be many scriptures that we look at. And I certainly won't exhaust everything that we could talk about regarding sex and marriage today or every scripture that we could look at. But we are going to look at it in the confines of how it will bring glory to God and be a witness in your home. When this area is out of kilter, truly many areas get out of kilter. Do you hear me? <laughs> All right. Proverbs chapter 5 verses 15 through 23. Then I'm going to let you guys move that if you will. Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed. And rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. Why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. And he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. Wow. That's a pretty powerful passage of Scripture. So in this passage of scripture, we are going to deal with three things. Sex within marriage, 
that your sex is to be blessed and sex outside of marriage. Because God addresses that here too. You know, what I find is, unfortunately, the football on this topic has been, for whatever reason, oftentimes dropped in the church. Either because of embarrassment or because we really don't want to talk about it. And I will be the first to tell you, if you ever have been had someone that taught that the book of the Song of Psalms was only an analogy between Christ and the church, go back and read it again. Because I'm telling you, it's a love story between a man and a woman who are madly in love with one another. Now, can it be used as an analogy of Christ in the church? Yes, but oftentimes we've taken portions of Scripture because we're just too embarrassed to think that God would allow us to have sex. And we've pushed them aside, and what we do is we, we create confusion in the church. We create uh, ones either that are, are younger or that aren't in marriage yet to have all kinds of questions unanswered or frustrated, and it's not good. It's not healthy. <laughs> Amen? So, verses 15 through 17, the, the confines of sex within a marriage... The first thing that I will say is, it says, drink water from your own cistern. Are you married? That should be your focus of where sex is done, fulfilled. Now, let me just say, (laughs) boy, it's awful quiet in here. Let me just say that if you've, if you've come thinking that your pastor is going to unveil this ru- list of rules or list of do's and don'ts, you're going to be really disappointed today. But we are going to look at what Scripture says, and I hope that you are not only blessed, I hope that truly we will... Uh, uh, Go about this subject if you're a grandparent, if you're a parent, or if you're uh, in a marriage relationship now, or if you're thinking about getting married, or if, yes, I know, that's, it's a real, you know, this is, this is a funny thing, because here, here Dominic is coming home, and of course he asks, what is your dad talking about on Sunday? <laughs> I did not plan this. <laughs> But the point is, is that only if we, if we look at in light of what God's Word says, are we going to be able to pass on to our children, to our grandchildren, and teaching in the church the, the way that God has designed sex to where it will be blessed of God. To where we will truly have Couples in the church that will be having sex according to God so that their marriage would be blessed. Amen. So the first thing that it says is that it should not be done with others. It should be from your own 
cistern. Don't go somewhere else. If you are married, that is the place that that is to be fulfilled. If you are getting that fulfillment, anything outside of that partner that God has given you, it's out of kilter. It's sin. <laughs> Says that you, your spring should not be dispersed abroad. <laughs> Says your water shouldn't be running into the streets. <laughs> Anytime water is somewhere other than where it's supposed to be, it's a problem. When, when it gets to be it, where it's not being directed in the right place, it can be a real issue. One of the things that they're going to have to uh, really get ready to uh, manage is all the snow that has fallen in Buffalo. <laughs> because when it warms up, that is going to be a lot of water. And they are going to need to find a way to direct it. So God created us. And he created us male and female, and he created sex. <laughs> and when it is done within the confines of marriage and directed according to the Lord, it's beautiful. When it runs into the street, it's a mess. And it has to be dealt with, and it affects other people. And other people often have to come uh, and, and clean it up. And no matter how you clean it up, it's never as good as if you would have just allowed it to be directed where it was supposed to be. So I will say that if you are married, the first thing I will say is do not allow your sex life to go out into the street. Let me be more specific. It should never involve anyone else other than you and your wife or your husband. That means you don't need an outside source, porn, to help spice up your marriage. This will wreck and ruin your relationship. Everything that is done in that industry is done with smoke and mirrors and is not fact. <laughs> that is a fact. <laughs> it's all make-believe. And when you invite that into your sexual relationship as a husband and wife, your your it becomes skewed. The, the ability to be able to be with one another intimately will be marred. And you will never be able to, to match up because it's all a bunch of smoke and mirrors. It's not reality. There's, uh, uh, unfortunately, as I studied this topic... There's a big thing happening right now, and I would like to tell you it only happens outside the church. But I will tell you we're struggling with it inside the church, and that is the swinger lifestyle. It's tragic. 
We're struggling with it in the church. If, you, if you're a little unfamiliar, what does that mean? <laughs> it means inviting someone else to be in your sexual relationship other than your husband or your wife. Whether it be one or two or multiple. And it is not correct. It brings hurt. It brings pain. It will bring destruction to your relationship. So it says, your spring should not be dispersed abroad. Streams of water in the streets? And that's a question mark because it's a rhetorical question. Of course it shouldn't. Of course it shouldn't. Now again, immediately I have here, well, pastor, tell us what then we can do. We're going to address that. Just give me some time. But the first thing that you need to understand is, is that really within the, the constraint of marriage, God says that sex is honorable. He created it. I think sometimes when we, uh, not that we need to, as husband and wife, when you have kids, obviously you be discreet about how that is played out. But I've also seen it done the other way, where couples don't even allow their kids to think they like one another. And that's pathetic. And I, I find this interesting, too, that, that God has created, obviously, male and female differently. And I, not that I find that interesting. I know that. But, <laughs> but the, the very thing that men desire that they give intimacy for is sex. The very thing that women want is intimacy. Do you see how God's done that? Do you see why he says the two are to become one? Do you see that if the two of you are working together, it's beautiful, and that the two of you are not working together, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. I will say that anything that is done between a man and wife in their sexual relationship better be pleasing and pleasurable for both because anything that brings abuse or pain is wrong. But there's to be no outside source. Uh, trust me, if the two of you love one another and are together alone, you aren't going to have a problem knowing what to do. <laughs> wow. I know it's awful quiet. By the way, I've also done some other research, and I don't want to, again, this isn't about shock and awe or embarrassment, but I'm telling you, uh, looking at, at, at facts, you know, sometimes we think, oh, it's over at 50. I've got news for you. It's not. <laughs> In fact, truly, if you're healthy, there is no reason why it should not be continuing all the way up into old age. Boy, it's getting really quiet now. Okay, so there to be yours alone, verse number 17, and not for strangers with you. Now, uh, again, the reason I, I'm 
specific to address porn is some people say, well, there's no one there. Yes, there is. And by the way, all of those, those pictures and what we see, do you understand there's, there are people who are hurt? That is not reality. If we really grabbed a hold of what was happening, we truly would understand that Scripture is right when it says, if you do it God's way, you are blessed. If you try it another way, it will be disappointing and it will come with problems. Amen. So, Let's then talk about the next thing, and that's the next few verses, the blessed life. Verses 18 and 19, if you've ever wondered, uh, you know, I'm not saying that I've had this uh, done a lot, but I have had some that truly have come to me, and they really believe the only time you are to have sex is to procreate. Or, and it's a wonder why there's no joy. (laughs) You hear what I'm saying? God's given it to a married couple as a gift. And if the gift isn't being used, it will create problems and separation. Because part of what it does is bringing intimacy. Do you realize it's not just a physical act? It is spiritual emotional, mental, and physical. The whole thing is there. That's why God is so specific about guarding it. Because it isn't just a physical thing. You open yourself up in all of those areas. It's how it happens. That's how God created it. And God created it that way so your marriage would be blessed. So that it would be a blessing. Uh, let's go to this scripture. Hebrews 13, 14. I've got it there, but you can turn to it. Let marriage be held in honor among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Now, these are terms that we often don't talk about, and so there's a lot of confusion with what uh, adultery and fornication. In fact, there are many times, I will tell you, in the church, people honestly think these two are the same. Fornication is also better uh, described as sexual immorality. So let's maybe talk a little bit about these when we're talking about the blessed life. We're talking about sex that is within the marriage. Fornication and sexual immorality. Here's your list of do's and don'ts. Anything outside of the marriage relationship ought not to be happening. Period. If you are not married, stop. Now, uh, I, I have had um, a lot of people talk about, well, you know, marriage isn't like it used to be. Well, that's true. 
It is true that the biblical model of marriage was very different than today. It is true that the, the laws and customs as far as uh, it being having a, a civil and a religious ceremony weren't necessarily done. But what, so what, con, what, what made a marriage when the marriage was consummated? You were considered married. So, but let me tell you this. For those of us who maybe would like to go to, well, then it doesn't matter. If I'm just with somebody and I'm having sex, well, then I'm married. I will tell you that the biblical model of marriage made very well protected the wife and the children, both physically, financially, and everything else. If you consummated the marriage, you were responsible for it. Do you hear what I'm saying? So if we try to run away on that, don't go there. Because honestly, before God, you know whether you're married or whether you're not married. If you're not married, stop. If you're married, praise the Lord. The marriage bed is undefiled. As I've already said, the only time that the list should come out is it should never uh, be to abuse or cause pain or hurt. It should be agreeable and enjoyable for both involved in the relationship. I, you say, Pastor, do you really need to go there? Unfortunately, I do. <laughs> because it needs to be for both. Not just one. But again, as I have mentioned, you know, the Song of Psalms is a great thing to read if you ever thought that, that God uh, felt that sex was this thing that you were to be put away and not talk about anything. Now, when my son was very small, uh, I, I, I'm going to tell a funny story, and it's to make a point. It's to make a point that, that sometimes in the church... Sex is a word that we just say, well, let's just not talk about it. And if we don't talk about it, maybe no one will do it. <laughs> I mean, it's true, isn't it? I mean, really. And so when we, were, uh, when we were raising Spencer, Spencer, I don't know, very young, but uh, he had this tendency at this very young age to want to look at ladies' breasts and want to pull on them and touch them. So in our house, we called them boobs, okay? So we had to teach him that you don't touch a person there. Now, I've never been more embarrassed in my life than walking into a movie theater with my son who was about two or three years, three years old, and he picks up on a lady who's been blessed. <laughs> And he immediately blurts out, because we've been teaching him, right? And he just, out loud, we don't talk about boobs, Mom. We don't talk about them. We don't touch them. We don't do anything. And I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> I looked over at Jill, and I said, that was something we should have never done. <laughs> But honestly, in the church, sometimes 
we get this idea that if we just don't talk about it with our kids, then maybe they just won't get into things they shouldn't. So we almost, in fact, there was a time, honestly, when it was almost a taboo. Something you didn't talk about. And again, this is where you get people that want rules and regulations. (laughs) Well, the Scripture doesn't give you one. The Scripture says the marriage bed is undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers. So fornication and sexual, sexual immorality is anything outside the marriage relationship. Adultery is anything that you do outside of your marriage relationship. <laughs> you understand those two? So that's the thing that God asks us to do. Now, I, I talk about that because truly, unfortunately, there are some that... that I understand it's uncomfortable. When I talked with my own children, it's uncomfortable. And, of course, I would give you the advice of, yes, it's easier for the, the uh, wife to talk to daughters and for the men to talk to their sons, but certainly it's also done with a combination of both helping. <laughs> but, but truly, we should not attack this issue uh, without really having God's perspective and sharing honestly, because what we do is we've caused some to grow up being hampered, thinking that even though they're married, that somehow the act of loving one another is dirty and unacceptable. And that's not correct. And then that causes problems in the marriage. And it causes problems with the children. Yes, you should be if you are married and healthy. Now, when are times you shouldn't? Obviously, if one of you is physically suffering. Obviously, there are some of those things. Again, marriage is to be uh, something where both people are honoring one another. So all of those things we need to be aware of. The last thing that I will say is this as far as your sex life being blessed. <laughs> I know that that picture, what I, 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 it's a purpose. That is a weapon. And when you use sex as a weapon, it is damaging. People bleed and can cause people to bleed to death. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 7, specifically verse number 5. It says, if you're married, let's just look at it. Turn there with me. You say, Pastor, do you really need to talk about? Yes, we do. Because uh, unfortunately, it says here in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, stop depriving one another except by agreement 
for a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again, lest Satan tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Do you hear me? Uh, unfortunately, I, I have had in the past to deal with. And it happens on both sides, not just on one. Where sex is used as a weapon, either to get something I want or to manipulate the other person. It's wrong. The Bible says the only time that you are to... Uh, withhold, or literally what it says here is deprive. And that word, by the way, is something that is an impure motive. When you're doing it for an impure motive, it's wrong. And if you do it long enough, you will create problems in your marriage. Don't do it. My father taught me Anything that was loaded or could cause harm would, was a weapon. And if he'd see me as a child, even with a play toy, I was always taught, you point it at a cat, you can point it at whatever you want, but you don't point it at a... <laughs> I'm just telling you, I love my cat, but you know what? You can, it's not going to bother me, but the point is a weapon is not to be pointed at anyone unless a weapon has a purpose. We all know that. But you don't, you, you don't point it unless you have to use it. In marriage, don't point the weapon at all. Don't use it as a weapon. That, that is what will cause a non-blessing, if I can say it, on your marriage. It will cause trouble. It will cause resentment. It will cause bitterness. If it's done long enough, it causes all kinds of problems. Here's the other thing that I will say to you. Talk to one another. <laughs> oh, can't even believe he said that out of his mouth. Yes, talk to one another about it. Not to someone else, to one another. God wants your sex life to be blessed. He wants it to be blessed. All right, last thing. You say, why do you have a picture of that? Because we're going to talk about how important that ring on the finger means. Because we're now we're moving to what is then what God says about any kind of sex outside of marriage. And again, the two words that are used are sexual immorality and fornication. And, of course, adultery. Anything that's outside the confines of marriage. I have heard every reason from every person, every circumstance of why or why not a a couple doesn't get married what I'm going to say to you is if you aren't married you should not be having sex period and I don't care what kind that you're having 
It's sin if it's not in the confines of marriage. That's a fact. Oh, but I, and again, I can go on with every story. Oh, but we're going to be. Great. Wait till you are. When we don't do that, we, we open ourselves to all kinds of things. Listen to 20 through 23. Let's read it again. Why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. You can even fool mom a lot more times than we think, but there's one person you can't snow, God. God knows, and you can't snow him. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held with the cords of his sin. Now, I've had this conversation with people because here's where sometimes we'll say, well, then, does God cause all those things? Is he the one that is is AIDS a judgment? No, AIDS is a consequence. And any other sexually transmitted disease. It's a consequence of not doing it within the confines that God's given. Because when you're in a marriage relationship, monogamous for all of your life, there is no sexually transmitted diseases. Do you hear me? So again, it isn't God's judgment. God's wrote in his word, and the reason he did is because he knows what sin will do to you. It mars you. It hurts you. And so he lays it out clearly and says, don't go there. It's it's like putting your hand on the stove. It's going to burn. There's some scripture verses uh, on fornication and sexual immorality. It can be also on adultery. This is the one that I want you to go to because... uh, This one is so plain. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Remember I told you that the act of having sex is so much more than just physical. It's spiritual, it's emotional, it's mental, it's the whole person. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 6 has to say, 18 through 20. Flee immorality. Every other sin a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Do you see what I'm saying? Is is sexually all those horrible things that happen to people and all the diseases, is that God's judgment? No, no. That's a a consequence of not doing what God's word said to begin with. Because God knew that it would go there. 
So don't see it as God's judgment. I've had people say, well, you think it's God's judgment? No, it breaks God's heart. He's grieved. He's crushed because he's given a way for that to be fulfilled. But when it's not done within the constraints of what he's given, it causes pain, heartache, destruction. Then it goes on to say, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you from whom, from, uh, uh, whom you have from God and that you are not your own? If you're saved, it says in 20, you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. There's some other scripture verses because uh, here, here's, here's why I'm, I'm going over this area. I want to give you these statistics. We're almost done, but I want to give you these. This, this breaks my heart, but this, this is out of uh, Charisma magazine. And uh, it's a very recent survey, and it's called... Sexual atheism within the church. You say, well, that's an oxymoron. It is, kind of. But let me tell you why it's talking about this. Because it says, more than ever today, both genders, men and women, are compartmentalizing their faith away from their sex life. Specifically, single Christians are like in a sexual fog. Their identity rooted in Christ and in, in the intellectual hope, but apart from their sex life where they do whatever they want. You hear me? In the church. Christian singles between the ages of 18 to 59 were asked, and I will just tell you, uh, people that are a lot smarter than I as far as taking surveys and gathering data did this with the best intention to create honest answers so people couldn't manipulate the facts, okay? So, when asked, would you have sex before marriage? These are not, these are not nominal believers. These are people who really say, I'm a Christ follower, 63% indicated yes, they would. That's tragic. That's tragic. And, and for whatever reason that happens, we need to do better in the church of Jesus Christ at talking about this so that we can change that statistic. We need to do better at talking about really what God's word says and about the fact how it can be blessed so that we can get this ground back from the enemy. We've talked about that when we started this series, we were going to extend our tent pegs and take over new territory. And how I talked to you about when we got ready to do this, you're going to experience attacks. 
Well, I'm telling you in that area, what it shows me is we have to do better at really giving people the word of God and showing and telling them what God's truth is. Because truly, if those statistics are right and they've got to be close, we are in a sexual fog in the church. And it ought not be so. When the, when the world looks at us, they ought to say, that's the kind of marriage I want. When the world looks at our marriage, they ought to say, that's the kind of sex life I want. I want where I see that the husband and wife, they're not just married, they like one another. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? So, if you are in one of these spots where you are not married yet, and it's not just Paul and the New Testament, it's Jesus that talks about immorality as well. Take it to the cross and make a change. Repent, which means turn and go the opposite direction. This is the, the, another thing I will say. So you're here and you've messed up. Who hasn't? Don't allow Satan to beat you up. You say, Lord, now I give you my life. I'm going to walk after you in obedience now. So that if I'm not married, when I get married, I will honor you in that relationship. If I'm married, God, I am going to set these things up because I am going to be honorable with you and my spouse. Praise the Lord. When done right, this can be one of the most powerful witnesses to the world of how God's plan is supposed to work. Amen? Amen. Bow your head with me.